0: Our second lesson this morning is found in the Gospel of Saint Mark. We are looking again at one of those miraculous supernatural healings of Jesus Christ in this particular case where Jesus restores the hearing to a person and the speaking to a person. You need to understand that when you look at the Gospel accounts, uh, those episodes from the life of Jesus are very carefully chosen. Uh, Perhaps you recall the words at the end of John's Gospel that say that if they were to record everything that Jesus did the world could not contain the books. So whatever they choose to show us, the Gospel writers choose to show us, they are making very specific intentional choices. Because perhaps they're trying to tell us something beyond just the fact that a particular person receives a supernatural healing from Jesus. So I want us to look at this text from Mark's gospel and seek to hear, as we listen, seek to hear what God is saying to us today. So from Mark chapter 7 beginning at verse 31 we catch up with Jesus as he's traveling about then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee so you need to understand at this point he's traveling by the Mediterranean coast he's in an area that uh, was peopled by the Phoenicians He's at almost the furthest point away from the Galilee that he ever traveled, but he's leaving the region of Tyre and Sidon where those Gentiles, those pagans were, and he's making his way back toward the Galilee, but he's going to bypass the Galilee, and he's going to go into, as the text says, the region of the Decapolis. The Decapolis, that just means the ten cities. These ten cities are cities that uh, are located in present-day Jordan, on the other side of the Jordan River, from where Jesus spent most of his time. These ten cities, the Decapolis, were cities that were populated by Gentiles, by pagans. Most of the ministry of Jesus was with the people of Israel. But here in this text we see jesus in ministry to people just like you and me people who were not jewish by background but people who were gentile by background so here we find them in the decapolis notice what happens they the crowds brought to jesus a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech and they begged jesus to lay hands on him jesus took him in private aside in private away from the crowd and I've always been so grateful for that notice what he did with the crowds brought the person to Jesus for healing Jesus took the person to a private place we see throughout the Gospels that Jesus really did not want to make a spectacle of his ministry. He did not want his ministry to be turned into a 3 ring circus, and he always sought to protect the dignity of the people with whom he ministered. He He does the same thing here. He takes this person away from the crowd. Then notice how Jesus affects the healing. He put his finger to his ears and he spat his tongue and looking up to heaven he sighed and said to him ephata ephata that's an Aramaic word and it's left here for us because it was left in the Greek text of the New Testament the New Testament obviously was written in Greek but this word ephata is an Aramaic word and that's the language that Jesus spoke ephata And it's almost as if the early Christian community, Mark and the community that surrounded Mark, so remembered the exact word of Jesus, that they preserved that exact word of Jesus. Jesus' Aramaic Ephata, And of course, Mark gratefully interprets that for us. That is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. We call this, and it's really only in Mark, it's picked up a little bit from Mark and Matthew and Luke, but we call this the messianic secret. Have You ever noticed that? Here Jesus performs this miracle, And it says that Jesus ordered them to tell no one. He still had work to do. He still had time that was necessary for the carrying out of his ministry. Again, he did not come to just create a spectacle. But you see also what happens, human nature being what human nature is. The text says, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He makes even the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Great God, particularly as we look at this text... We ask that you will give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. May all earthly distractions cease and may we focus on the presence of the living one here in our midst and may we be very sensitive and tender to the words that he ever so gently speaks to each one of us. We pray, God, that we will be able to hear what you're saying to us. We pray, God, that our tongue will be loosened to proclaim your praise. We pray, God, that our eyes will see you at work all around us and within us. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen so these texts that are presented to us where we see stories from the life of jesus they are very specifically chosen by the gospel writers so Why do we think they chose what they chose? Why do we think they chose the few episodes from the life of Jesus that they chose to show to us? They left out others, but they chose to show us things such as this one that is presented to us this morning. Well, obviously, when we see Jesus healing human infirmities, Jesus was doing more than just healing human infirmities. When we see Jesus healing in the Gospels, we ought to see the wonder of that, but we also ought to understand that what that means to us is that this Jesus has power and authority over all human infirmities. When we see episodes in the Gospels where Jesus can quell a storm, What we need to realize from that is not just simply the wonder of quelling a storm, but this one, Jesus, has power and authority over all nature, for he is creator. In the Gospel of Mark, particularly, we see a lot of exorcisms. Mark is fond of exorcisms. When we see Jesus performing an exorcism in the Gospel of Mark, we ought to be able to recognize that what we're being told is that this Jesus has power and authority even over the demonic and all evil in this world. So it probably doesn't surprise you that here in chapter 7 you see this healing, this significant healing taking place. The man's ears are open. Then his tongue is loosed. And you can almost guess what comes in chapter 8. A blind man is going to receive sight in chapter 8 so the ears are open the tongue is loosed and the eyes are given sight i think what mark is saying to us is this that if we want to be a christ follower we have to have ears that are hope, open to god and hear what god's saying to us if we want to be a christ follower we have to have a tongue that has been loosened and is quick to do the praise of god in this age and era If we want to be a Christ follower, we need to have grace-healed eyes so that we can see things that others can't see. We can see the supernatural, spiritual realities around us. So these healings are very significant, and I hope you can pick up all that the gospel writers is putting down before us to pick up. God wants us to hear the truth, to speak the truth, certainly to see the truth and particularly in this text here where this man's ears are open so that his tongue can be loosed i think this text is saying to us in the grand scheme of mark's gospel that we need to be those people who have opened ears who can hear what god is saying to us church how are you doing with hearing the voice of God how are you doing with hearing the voice capital V of the living Christ in your life there is no doubt in my mind there's no doubt in the Christian community that this God is speaking and this God is seeking to speak to you and to me so how are we doing at listening for the voice Listening is hard, hard work. Uh, I hope you know that. I suspect you know that. Listening to each other is hard work. I remember about 20 years ago when I went through my Stephen Ministry training, and I learned so much from my Stephen Ministry training, a lot about practical caregiving, but one of the things I remembered learning from my Stephen Ministry training 20 years ago was how to listen. Because most of us do not know the art of listening. So, if you feel called to that ministry, you'll learn a lot in Stephen Ministry Training. And one of the things you will learn is how to listen. You see, most of us do not listen. Most of us, when someone is speaking to us, we are busy formulating our response, not listening to what that person is saying, but deciding how we are going to respond, what we're going to say back to that person. Listening is hard work and it's it's a learned art. Particularly in this noisy, noisy culture in which we live, listening to each other is very hard. Listening to God is exceptionally hard. But we know that God is speaking. I hope that you understand that God is speaking. I hope that you understand the myriad of ways that God is seeking to speak to you right here right now today of course the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word through the scripture the word speaks through the written word and that's why when we as Christ followers go to the Bible we don't go to the Bible just to learn information now we learn information from Bible study you now know what the Decapolis was But we don't primarily go to the Scripture to glean information. We go to the Scripture in order to participate in transformation. The reason we see this text before us as the Word of God is because God speaks through this text. We hear the voice of God in this text. That's what we have experienced and proclaimed for the last 2,000 years Years we hear God speaking to us through this text. If we desire, and if we have ears to hear, you know, it's fascinating to me how little some professed Christ followers even read the Word of God. You would think they'd want to hear more from God. It's here in the Scriptures that we learn how God speaks. It's here in the Scriptures that we learn about the will and the wishes and the dream of God for the human family and for us. It's because of the Scriptures and our immersion in Scripture that after a while, we can begin to finish God's sentences for Him. You ever notice how married couples do that? After we're together a while, we can almost finish each other's sentence because we know each other that well. The Scriptures are the place where we learn God. The Scriptures are the place where we learn the character of God. And that's also why in all the other ways that God speaks to us, and we'll talk about those, but in all the other ways that God speaks to us, we have that promise that God will never, never contradict God's word. God will never, God will never contradict God's character or personality. And all of that is just given to us in Scripture. That's why in the Christian tradition, our worship is formed and informed in Scripture because that's where we hear the voice of God. Are you eager to hear the voice of God? We hear the voice of God primarily first and foremost in Scripture. You've heard me say before that John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist people, the Methodist revival movement, used to say, at least in his day, if you cut a Methodist, their blood would be bibline. We would bleed Bible. Not sure that's the case today with some Methodists. But if you want to hear God speaking to you, the scriptures the primary place we hear that. Another way that God speaks to us today is through that still, small voice deep within us. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and if you invited Jesus Christ to take up residency in your life at the center of your life, at your heart, Jesus is faithful. And Jesus will take up residency in our life. And if Jesus has taken up residency in our life, we will hear that still, small voice. Just like Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 19. We can hear that still, small voice. There are times I wish God would move beyond a still, small voice and shout the reality to me. But that's not the normal way of God speaking. God grants to us His still, small voice. One, because He doesn't want to intimidate us. Another reason is He's so close to us. He's right here in our heart. You know, if I were to come up to you, right to your ear and speak to you and shouted, that's not edifying. He's so close to us, He doesn't have to shout. Is that still, small voice. It's the way God speaks to us, another way God speaks to us. Sometimes if you're making a decision, and if you've made a decision, but you have no peace about that decision, that might be God speaking to you in that still, small voice. Beginning next week, For the month of September, Pastor Clark and I are going to be doing a sermon series on finding peace. He can speak peace to us, but we have to be able to hear that still, small voice. I believe that God still speaks through dreams and visions. That's part of the promise of the age of Pentecost. We read that in Acts chapter 2 that god can speak to us through dreams and visions and when you look at the bible whether it's the joseph of the old testament or the joseph of the new testament god spoke through dreams i know people that will keep a a a pad and a pen by their bed just in case god gives them something in a dream now again you know what you might receive in a dream might just be the result of you ate dinner too late last night too time to the too close to the time you went to bed but sometimes God speaks to us in our dreams again he never contradicts his word again he never contradicts his character so if you hear something if you learn something if you're impacted by something in a dream at least be open to considering whether or not that was God speaking to you God certainly speaks to us through our circumstances Now, most of us, given human nature to be as it is, we can look back over seasons or periods in our life and in retrospect, see how God was working in our life at that given moment. Wouldn't it be wonderful to realize what God's doing in our life at the moment God's doing it? God speaks to us through our circumstances. You know, sometimes when that metaphorical door is closed or when that metaphorical door is open, That might be God speaking to us through our circumstances. We need to pay attention. We need to evaluate our lives because sometimes in the circumstances, through the circumstances of our lives, God is speaking to us. You know, sometimes in circumstances, that means we look at other people and we see the need or the needs in their life. And when God shows us the needs in the life of other people, one of the things God may be doing is speaking to us, inviting us to participate in meeting those needs. I do hope you show up next Sunday afternoon to help us change the world by packing 36,000 meals that will go to feed the hungry. When we see the need, that might be God inviting us speaking to us, inviting us to participate in meeting that need. So God speaks to us through our circumstances. We need to look at our circumstances closely. That's why there's that great Christian tradition of the final prayer of the day, the ending prayer of the day. As you're finding your way to sleep, you evaluate the day. You do a moral inventory of the day you look back over the day and you evaluate it from God's perspective to see where you were faithful to God, to see where you were not faithful to God. But as we look at the circumstances of our life, we might be giving God a chance to speak to us through those circumstances. And God certainly speaks to us through other people. The older I become, the more I realize that oftentimes listening to God looks an awful lot like listening to the other people in my life. And I realize that if I have closed my ears to other people in my life, I have perhaps also closed my ears to God. God certainly speaks to us through those people that God has placed in our lives. When you're seeking to make a decision, you need to seek out those mature Christian believers, those people that are just a little further along in the journey than you, and get their advice. One of my guiding principles in the art of leadership comes from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17, where the author says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors some people don't like to ask other people's opinions because it complicates their lives it extends the process but i like to make sure the other people in my life are participating in the decisions the plans that i'm making because in the multitude of counselors there is safety so who are those counselors in your life You know, Jesus called the small group of 12. John Wesley, the, the genius of the Methodist movement, was he established all the Methodist people into bands. Those small groups of three to five people so that they could have someone in their life to speak truth into their life so that they could have someone in their life to practice gracious accountability with. Who are those people in your life? I know here at Wesley Memorial we have unity groups, we have journey groups. So we have a lot of our congregation in these small groups. And we're gonna keep encouraging you to find that small group, to create that small group. One of the things that's kept me going for 38 years is I've always, always, always maintained my attendance in a small group of close brothers, and they're always Male, a small group of close brothers that can say the difficult things to me, that can ask me that historic Methodist question, how goes it with your soul? We all need somebody in our life to ask us that question periodically. How goes it in your soul? Where have you seen God at lately? Where have you served God well lately? Where have you failed to serve God well lately? So these other people in your life, and you have to place them in your life in such a way that you provide an avenue for sharing, for gracious accountability. Because we certainly can hear the voice of God with these others with whom we are on the spiritual journey. So God is seeking to speak. To us in so many ways God is speaking to us right now God has been endeavoring to speak to you in so many different ways because God desires a deep and intimate relationship with each one of us now of course there's a lot that can hinder us hearing the voice of God unbelief hinders the voice of God if you don't believe there is a God And if you don't believe there is a God who speaks, then you probably will never hear the voice of God. The author of Hebrews says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you have to believe there is a God, but you also have to believe there is a God who speaks. To you, So unbelief certainly will hinder hearing the voice of God. Of course, busyness and distraction and noise will hinder you from hearing the voice of God. The world around us is so noisy, and we are so busy. Perhaps you've heard the old proverb that says, if the devil can't stop you, he'll get behind you and push you. The devil, devil can't stop you from doing what God wants you to do. The devil will get behind you and push you till you become so busy your soul can't catch up with your body. We have to be intentional about carving out that space for us to hear the voice of God. Some of you have heard me say my favorite time of the day is what I call my quiet time. I love to get up before the sun rises, before there's much going on, Um, and spend that time in focused prayer, reading scripture, praying the psalms, doing some prayers of intercession. But I love that focused time early in the morning before the sun rises because there's not a lot of distractions at that time. And I I will be bold enough to say this. I've never done that. Set aside some time of focused attention on Scripture and prayer and intercession. I have never done that when I've been faithful to do that. I've never done that when I did not hear the voice of God. Some of you know that for the last year, and it's almost been exactly a year, for the last year, every morning on Facebook, I put out there a prayer focus for the day. And I'm grateful for the people that seem to pay attention to that. I put out every morning on Facebook a prayer focus for the day. And that prayer focus is simply what God gives me during my personal time of prayer. Because I like to be able to come away from that time with like a, one sentence, one sentence that I can utter in prayer throughout the day. Be Rule is a wonderful member of this congregation. Be Rule is one of my favorite people. Most of you know B. If you've been around for a while, she's struggling to recover uh, from from both surgery and a recent in, injury. B. Rule told me one time she called those butterfly prayers—just sentences, short sentences, brief sentences, perhaps even a word or name that you offer up to God in prayer but I've never failed to hear from God when I've set aside a time and it can't just be 3 minutes but when I set a time set aside a time to spend in God's word prayerfully reading scripture prayerfully listening for the voice of God in the silences between the scripture and if we want to hear the voice of God in this noisy frenetic world we've got to learn that art and lastly To hear the voice of God, we have to be an obedient people. Disobedience will hinder us hearing the voice of God. And let me tell you what I mean by that. To be an obedient people means that we have to say yes to God. That means saying yes to God even before we know what God wants of us. The yes has to come first and then the marching orders. One of the most valuable things I learned years ago was that God does not reveal God's will to the curious. God reveals God's will to the obedient. We have to say yes first, and then we'll hear from God. Now, the way I'd rather do that is hear from God, take it under advisement, go decide if it's something I want to do, and then get back to God with my answer. It's not the way God works, friends. God reveals God's word to the obedient, not to the curious. So we have to make our minds up first and foremost that we are the people of yes when it comes to God. In a few moments, we're going to be seeing uh, one of my favorite uh, contemporary hymns, Here I Am, Lord. And if you've been around me a while, you've probably heard me say this, but I don't think I've said it, in the last year or so, in in the refrain of "Here I Am, Lord," it says, "I will go, Lord, if you lead me." Well, I have it on good authority that when the Saint Louis Jesuits wrote that song, they didn't say, "I will go, Lord, if you lead me." They said, and this is how I choose to sing it, regardless of what the hymnal says. They meant to have published, "I will go, Lord, where." you lead me there's really no if to it if we have ears to hear and we are doing those things in life that god has called us to do we will hear what god's saying to us sometimes dimly sometimes from a distance sometimes distinctively but we will hear in god's timing what God is saying to us. Maybe there's some here in our midst this morning that needs Jesus to touch our ears and say, Be opened. Would you pray with me? Allow me to pray with you for a few moments. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your desire to be in relationship with each one of us. And we thank you that when we invite Jesus Christ into our lives, he will come in and he will rule and he will reign in our lives. God, we realize we cannot just offer a portion of our lives to Jesus. We have to offer all of our lives to Jesus. And then he will make all the difference in this world and in the world to come. So heal us, O God. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. Then loosen our tongues to declare your praise. And give us eyes to see the supernatural spiritual world around us. In the name of Christ we pray.